This is the Employee Experience and Education Podcast, a teacher retention podcast for school leaders, and I'm your host, Eric Brainstetter. In this podcast, we'll speak with educational leaders, former educators, and industry experts to better understand the employee experience in education. Our goal is to equip school leaders with realistic and actionable strategies to keep more teachers in the classroom. On this episode, we'll speak with Brandy Hozik, Interim Chief Human Capital Officer for Austin Independent School District. Today, Brandy will share what teachers are looking for more than compensation, while RAVE is all the rage, and what we must do differently if we want to retain and sustain our educators. Now, thanks for joining us today. I'd love to learn more about you, yourself, personally, professionally, whatever it is you'd like to share with us. And then another question is, why did you choose to become an educator HR professional? Uh, All right. Good morning. My name is Brandy Hozik. I am the interim chief of human capital for Austin ISD. Uh, I have been in the interim role since uh, September 26th, so it's only been a couple of weeks. Uh, Prior to that, I was the assistant superintendent for employee uh, development and sustainability also within human capital. I've also done uh, a human capital system side, which is more your traditional HR functions. And um, so I've been in, in the HR role for uh, going on three years. And I was a campus principal before that, uh, which is my favorite job ever. Uh, it is truly what motivates me. And honestly, it was the reason that I got into this job. I took it as a, a learning opportunity. I jumped into HR uh, in June of 2020. So we were like right in the beginning of kind of pandemic shutdown. And and I thought, uh, I wrestled with that. I really did. Um, but I took it as an opportunity to learn and to make me a better principal. And that's still my goal. Um, <laughs> even in the, in, in, in an interim chief role, truly it's to, it's to be a continuous learner and to hopefully even transition those skills back into a principalship. Again, favorite job I've ever had. So that's why. Oh, so HR might be a temporary thing for you as you go back to the principal level, possibly. I think I will revisit the principalship at some point in my career. Yes. Yeah. So, but I do have a lot of work to do as, as the interim chief of human capital, and I will not. I I, I want to be able to see that work through, and so I'm going to stay right where I am as long as I'm allowed to to make sure that we do what's right for our employees. Sure, that's great. Yeah, I know the the concept of employee experience is new for a lot of school leaders. The term, the terminology is. Now, Austin ISD created an employee experience and sustainability department within human capital. So a corollary of that is you're also the interim chief human capital officer. I'm curious, why human capital and not the traditional human resources? Is there a reason for the terminology there? Um, it, it's, you know, pretty widely used. I think, um, now I was not around in, in the department when they kind of made that transition into human capital. Um, I do think that it's, it's pretty widely used. Um, I, I, uh, I do think that there are actually better iterations of, of what our work is now. I've seen chief people officer. And and so you're the, you're the people department. And so I'm actually pretty interested in, in looking at that as, as kind of a rebrand because I don't know, human capital kind of strikes people in a, in a very strange way, but I can't tell you what the background is, but I can tell you that I think we, um, you know, with, with the work that we're engaging in that I'd certainly like to see us uh, rebrand and, and be certainly more people centric. Yeah. And speaking of being people centric, the employee experience, as you know, 
is a massive topic, and it includes all parts of the employee lifecycle, going from attracting and recruiting to development, hopefully through retirement within your organization and everything in between. So it's a massive thing. Now, a lot of schools and districts think about and plan for each of these categories separately. So you might have a recruiting strategy, a development strategy. And can you talk about your own kind of internal conversations and how, how do you go up a level to the employee experience and not just here's our recruiting strategy, here's our development strategy? What What's it like to put it all together as EX? I, I'm super glad that you asked that because... Um... We and many other HR or HC departments, however you want to refer to it, they really do operate in silos as just like you said, like our recruitment division, our staffing division, our professional learning division, our employee effectiveness division. We have done that and continue to do it to this day. However, really the work right now is to have a lot of kind of cross pollination with those with those departments. Employee experience is a collective experience about every single thing that happens to you as an employee from even pre-employment. So how you engage with your with your future employer on social media and what what your perception is of them to application to onboarding to you know mentorship to support to compensation to celebrations to all of those things are touch points with an employee and that makes up a collective with an employee experience. And so my my goal and my position is to make that collective as positive and as 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 supportive as I can for our employees. And we have a lot of work to do on that front. Um, I don't believe that we um, have been as focused on that as we should have about like really what is it like to be an employee coming into this system and what's that experience like. Yeah, you said some interesting words there. You defined it as everything that happens to you as an employee. And I think that's, so if I step back and think about the employee experience, obviously, if I'm a teacher, if I'm a frontline worker, if you will, a lot of things happen to me. And that's, it's that, that aggregation of all of those things. It's leadership, it's colleagues and relationships that I have, it's the students, it's the parents. There's very little influence that teachers have on what happens to you. So I love how you define the employee experience, which is all the things that happen to you or what you just said is, what's it like to work here in this organization? Absolutely. And I don't, I don't want to, you know, we as employees, we also have, you know, we have an opportunity to come to the table and engage and, and, and participate. And I, I love the word agency. It's, it's kind of my soapbox that I get on. Agency truly is ownership in, in that position. But, but by and large, when you work for any organization, you're not in control of many of those factors. And so, you know, there are certain pressures from, you know, especially in public ed, as far as the state level decisions and whatnot, but there are so many things within our control that we need to take a step back, take a look at it and, and ask ourselves, like, if it was me, would, is that an appropriate experience? Is that something that's really going to not only attract, but retain and sustain our employees? Or is this, are we just, are we just complicit and complacent to to not caring about uh, about that side? Because if that's the case, we will continue to see a churn and a turnover, um, and that is certainly not what we want. We want to attract and retain and sustain our employees as best we can. Yeah. So right there, you're speaking from from an administrator, from a leader point of view. What are the things that we could do? So as you think about what what are those levers that we have that we are in control of to affect the employee experience. 
I'm, I'm hearing you think from a leadership perspective. You think the leadership is at the number one lever, making sure that we have leaders that create this environment where people choose to stay? I think that leaders are a tremendous lever in that. However, I would not and will not put it all on on principals or 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 you know people in those leadership positions because ultimately you function within an organization. And so organizational health is tremendously important. We've heard it said time and time again that people don't quit jobs, they quit bosses. And that is true in in a lot of cases. However, people also quit organizations. You know, I've heard people say, I love what I do and I love who my boss is, but I can't do it here. And that's not okay. And so the organization is not some other entity that needs, like we are the organization. And so um, it is the collective of all of our actions that, that make up that, that organizational health. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to dig a little bit deeper with this idea of the employee experience. So I noticed on the Austin ISD human capital page, there is a, a bullet that reads, Austin ISD is committed to cultivating a sustainable work culture by building equitable and exceptional employee experiences. So I'm curious, how do you go about designing for exceptional employee experiences? Is that as literal as I have a whiteboard and I'm whiteboarding out processes and steps and supports and communication? Is it more figurative, I guess? Does it kind of come up organically? How, how do you make EX a concrete thing that you can actually influence? It's, it's both of those things. Sometimes we really are in the mix and, and whiteboarding, like what's the flow? And again, let's put ourselves in, the, in an employee's you know, shoes and figure out what's that, what does that feel like from their vantage point, right? So yeah, there's absolutely like whiteboarding through, through a process, but, but really digging in and doing our research about what does it take to retain employees, especially in a post-pandemic society. And so what we're seeing is, first of all, we have, you know, um, I think industry partners are pulling on public educators at a greater rate than they ever have been because what they saw during the pandemic was, wow, like teachers really do have like a plethora of, of skills that can be highly transferable to, to industry. And, you know, they were able to pivot. They were able to do it, you know, virtually. They were able to do all these things and make it happen. I think that we have different competitors uh, to worry about, and we're seeing that. And so we have to figure out a way to create an experience that make people fall in love with, first of all, why did you get into teaching in the first place? And we also have to make it tenable. Um, teaching has also been that profession that over the last decade, nothing really, they Teachers have just been piled on. There's not been a lot of concentrated effort to take some weight off and to clear some room on that plate. Um, it's just been add-ons. And so the the pressure to to say, I, I can't do this anymore. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna go do something that I can do that it's much less stressful. There's you know, I would even say, you know, less piled on accountability, less political pressure because teaching has become politicized, but to be able to do that and, and do it, you know, if not virtually, certainly, you know, some sort of hybrid, those are hard to compete with. So I say all that to say that, that we have to be able to kind of innovate within, within the box uh, of public ed. We definitely know that compensation is, is a priority. We need to do better about that. Uh, and, and I don't want, I don't want anybody to, to think that we don't see that because we do. And we are committed to putting forth the best compensation package we possibly can for our employees. 
But but more than that, and there um, was a study done very recently out of the Charles Butt Foundation, uh, the Texas teacher poll, and even paramount to compensation, which did come in as number two, a positive work environment and, and a healthy culture is number one. The great thing about that is that we're in full control of that. We're in control of that. We do not have to be victim to this statistic, but we do have to be intentional about building that culture. So how how do you even break that down with employee experience being as massive? So you, you mentioned compensation, right? That's one thing. I can put a silo around that, if you will, and say, here, we're going to work on our compensation plan, work on retention bonuses, recruiting, retracting bonuses. What like how how do you then think about professional learning and evaluation and relation? Like how do you conceptualize all the other parts of the employee experience? Yeah, absolutely. So we see a few other levers that are important for us to to keep in mind. Um, first of first of all is leadership. Like we talked about, we want to make sure that we have equipped our leaders with with the tools necessary to attract, retain, and sustain their staff. Uh, we know that. That oftentimes that the the principal in the in the building is is the political buffer, if you will. They're the ones that are really kind of the go between between all all of the district pressures or even state pressures. And how do I take that and repackage it so that it's digestible for my teachers and it just doesn't completely overwhelm them? So building up leadership is one. Uh, creating unique experiences for for employees is another. We are extremely committed to to looking at those industry partners and what are they doing to build that connection, connection for employees to the work to the organization. Um, employer resource groups, for example, that that's an idea straight out of industry about being able to connect with people that you identify with racially or that you identify with in other. In, in other entities uh, of your life, you know, like LGBTQ, like what have you, and these intersectionalities of who we are as humans and really building out, you know, employee resource, resource groups or also possibly known as affinity groups. How do you bring that into that space? Um, because connection is important, connection to the org, but also to other people. Devotion to planning time. Again, I talked about how we continue to pile on teachers and don't take anything off and then don't give them the time to do all all of the pylons. So making sure that we create the time and the space for them to truly engage in those professional learning communities. Agency is a thing. Uh, Again, I, I, I absolutely think that we need to empower our employees to to meet the goals that we have, not lock stuff. We're not going to get the best of our teachers that way or the best of our employees that way. And then certainly um, we want to make sure that our the way that we are evaluating and observing and engaging with our employees on their effectiveness, we want to make sure that that is conducive to them wanting to stay in the role and them feeling effective and them feeling successful, um, but also you know held accountable for student outcomes. And lastly, I'll say that we also make sure that we celebrations, awards, uh, uh, recognitions are extremely important. Everybody likes to be told you're doing a great job. Like, this is amazing. Keep doing that thing. And I don't think that we can possibly celebrate that enough. And uh, we continue to try to find ways to do that uh, more effectively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I know. So in the classroom, obviously, we differentiate for our students. Teachers do that all the time based on readiness levels and how they are and as they are. So each of your employees is going to be unique as well. 
So how do you think about this idea of employee experiences? You just mentioned eight or nine different kind of buckets, if you will, that go into that. But there's also different classifications, different backgrounds, different leaders, different buildings. How do you how do you go about differentiating for the adults within Austin ISD as well? Great question. First of all, is uh, not ever trying to do a one size fits all for anything. Uh, you have to ask the right questions. You have to find opportunities, methodologies, what have you, to to ask the right questions at a detailed enough level that you can actually address it in some sort of concrete way. And so we we are you know surveying our staff to make to to ask those very detailed questions um, about how we can do better. I think that climate surveys for a while now have been this thing that people have filled out and sure you'll see the data at some point and hopefully they'll listen, but we are being uh, very targeted in our approach, asking uh, incredibly detailed questions about uh, individuals' perceptions and, and experiences. And so being responsive to that data, I think is really important, but we can drill down on, on our data to you know, how do first grade teachers at this campus feel about this thing? And that's really, really important because you talk about differentiation. Your first grade teachers on this campus in this area of the city may feel very differently about what sustainability um, measures need to be taken for them versus, you know, somebody on the opposite side of town in a different grade level with a different level of experience, et cetera. So asking the right questions in the right manner. Yeah. So designing and talking about at that whiteboard level or at the, the conversation level is one thing, but then sustaining that, and you, you talk about sustainability a lot so far. How do you think about an approach? So we've designed employee experiences. We know what we intend to do. How do you actually implement at scale across 10,000 plus individuals? That is where I do believe leadership truly comes in. I also don't want to pile on the principles because that is also another, you know, group of folks who have just been piled on in, in the last decade. But but if we can help coach our principals through um, strategies that that are not that don't feel like it's extra work, it feels like it's more efficient work with their staff. If we can coach them through those strategies, that's the sustainability piece. It, the little, my little department, my bless their hearts, they're my, the sustainability and employee experience department. There's three people in that department for this, for the district. Like we absolutely can't do that ourselves. Also, we wouldn't want to, because it's not authentic. We walk into a space that we're, we don't know the history of, we don't know, you know, the, the makeup of, we don't know any of the context uh, on any different campus. It doesn't feel as authentic as coaching that principal who lives that life every single day to build that skill set and and be more attuned to to what their staff is saying. That's really the the sustainability piece is is leveraging those leaders. I will also say though that it's not just our campus leaders. Um, I believe very strongly that our central office leaders also must be of that same vein because principals cannot do it alone. And when you need to pull on that central office support, if they are not of the same mindset and support, you know, um, coming from a place of support, then 
then that principal is going to be out there by themselves. So I think it's leadership across the board on campus and off. Mm -hmm. And what what's the role of of the building level principal, central office principal when you're having your employee engagement experience, sustainability conversations? So as you're making those plans, having conversations about here's what we plan on doing, how how big is that committee? How what's that planning process look like? I know you collect data via surveys. But how how involved is everybody we, in that process? We um, keep those in house in human capital um, because, again, we want to come from a place of support. And so, in no way, shape, or form do I want the the information coming back on on an interest survey or on a on a, a climate and culture survey to be misused or to be you know leveraged in some way that's actually counterintuitive to what you're trying to achieve. We keep it in house so that we, and when I say we, there's about a team of ten of us in our in our office that will be individually coaching our principals on, hey, this is what your data is saying. Let's sit down and talk through some strategies to to address these things. And so when you ask like who all's involved, it really is a one-on-one coaching meeting with our principals. And I don't even want to use the word coaches. We're support partners. Like, how can we help? What is it that we can can think through together? And, and how can we leverage those like really quick wins with staff to make sure that they do feel that sense of value? When you have those sustainability conversations, even the folks that are not directly involved in that conversation need to be, you know, a, a ready support system to that campus and to that entity. So, so we are, um, in fact, this year engaging in a central office learning series because we, we want our central office leaders to, if they've never been on a campus, to understand what it's like to be on a campus. But two, if they have, is to kind of reconnect back to that and remember what it feels like. What is that principal experiencing on the other end of the phone or the email when they reach out for help? What is it that they're truly needing? So uh, really coaching people on how to be a support system. Yeah. So the coaching of principals is interesting because I, so I'm a former principal myself, right? And we, we had a wonderful central office staff. I felt like there was lots of supports now, I when I was an administrator, I wasn't thinking through the lens of employee experience. It was kind of siloed. It was, hey, here are the, the tasks that I have to do, make sure we take care of everything, communicate as much as possible. But now your principals are collecting and receiving some really interesting data. How how equipped do you think your principals are to work independently with that data versus, you know, I really do need some help? You you just mentioned people reaching out asking for help. How much do you think principals know what to do versus I'm not sure what else I need to do for my staff? Eric, that's a really good question because we are we're kind of at the precipice of getting our first round of data back. So um, I don't know yet the perception and and the the depth of responsiveness that they're going to have, depending on what that data says. But I mean, if I took a shot in the dark at knowing who our principals are, I, I think that every single one of them is extremely agile. Uh, and and know some strategies to put in place to to support their staff. I always think that having kind of a thought partner along for the ride is is certainly helpful. But again, if we just turn the data around and say, here you go, principal, figure it out, we have not done anything to help them. All we've done is, again, pile on them. Maybe it's not something that they absolutely have direct control over so much so much as maybe it is a central office thing that we can help go and support. But we're going to see what we see in this first round. And um, I'm extremely excited to to be able to have those those support conversations with our principals. But I have a feeling that that they are ready and willing 
to do that because unfortunately, not because we want to be in this situation, but every principal is absolutely in a situation where they want to retain the staff members that they have. And so they absolutely um, and genuinely want to do whatever it takes to make sure that that their teachers feel supported. Yeah. Yeah. I've had a, a couple of conversations with guests so far talking about the role of the principal and how like when I was an educator, the principal was typically that, you know, the instructional leader, less of the people manager. I wonder in an urban setting like yours, where you have 10,000 plus employees, wh- what do you see as the role of the principal? Of course, there has to be both. There has to be instructional leadership. There has to be people management. Is it leaning one way or the other right now for you? Our um, principals are fantastic instructional leaders. We do um, want them to lead with that. Uh, I do think that and I say post-pandemic as if it's over, but, you know, post-virtual learning, there was certainly a need to pull back on the on the, the skill set of, of being a manager because everybody kind of had to readjust again. And, and I still don't know that we're fully there about being reintegrated into how we do school. And I don't know that we'll, that we'll really ever get there because well, I think we're all forever changed from that experience. I, I would say that the intent of every single one of our principals is to be certainly an instructional leader. They are having to to be more managers than they would probably like. And that's not always a bad thing. Sometimes you just think about what processes do I need to run, kind of thinking through that that higher level employee experience. What can I do to make sure my staff feels appreciated? Like that's a management thing, but it's also, it's a leadership thing because you're making sure your people have their needs, expectations, wants met within the work environment. And, and in Austin ISD, we have a leadership framework. It's divided into quadrants. And and so that we never really, we never take off one hat and put on another. We really just kind of, we're pulling from one quadrant or the next. And, and so our leadership framework is built on instructional leadership. It's built on talent developer. It's built on executive leadership, which is what we're talking about with management. It's built and it's also built on on culture builder. At any point in the day, on in any point that you're doing anything, you're wearing at least one, if not multiple hats from those quadrants. So uh, we do coach that way. We would love to spend 100% of our time in, in an instructional setting and, and watching and coaching teachers. And that's that's what we love to do as principals. But we also have to have a fully developed skill set in those other quadrants. Yeah. And you have to staff, right? You have to make sure your classrooms are filled, food, nutrition, service, bus drivers. And if we can do our job in human capital the way we should be doing our job in human capital, our, we can take some of that lift off of principles of trying to stay staffed and trying to keep morale up and trying to, to do all the things that organizationally should be supported. So I also saw on your human capital page that you promote a customer service mindset. Those words are used. You talk about why you're choosing customer service mindset. I think that that's been kind of a, a tenant of Austin ISD for a while now. We we do want our our families and our students to to receive excellent customer service. I mean, they I don't think it's any surprise that that any family can go anywhere they want to choose charter, choose what have you. But we have to, again, create an experience for them to say, you know what? No, I want to go to AISD. Austin's where it's at. And this is what I want. So we have to have that relational capacity with our with our students and families. We also have to be their support system. Um, But in addition to that, we have to treat each other inside the organization with a, a level of respect and support. And so customer service skills are highly transferable to, to what we do. 
I know that the word kind of, you know, the word customer, people are like, what do you mean? You're like, you don't buy and sell things. I don't understand. But it's not, it's not about that. It's about the, the respect and responsiveness that we provide to each other and to our families and to our students. Did you think about the employee experience of teachers? They interact with students all day, every day, families for a great portion of the day. And as long as that relationship is solid, you're going to have that support from receiving the support as well, not just giving support to families, but families then should inversely support the teachers as well. That is absolutely true. And, and you know, I talked earlier about how teaching has become highly politicized. One of the things that, that we do struggle with um, that we don't have direct control over is the societal pressures on teaching in general. Our teachers were hailed as, you know, heroes at the beginning of, of COVID shutdown. And by the end of it, it was, I think, the opposite of that. Anytime that we can have our parents and our families be a support system to our teachers it's, and our staff, it's certainly helpful. That does not mean not to hold us accountable. It's just let's hold each, let's we absolutely should be held accountable, but we can certainly approach that in a very supportive way collectively as a community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's elevate because what we're doing is we're supporting students at the end of the day, and teachers are the lever through which we can support the students. So making sure that relationship is solid is is just critical. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, do you mind talking about the Rave Recognition Program? So, I know that stands for Recognizing Austin ISD's Valuable Employees. What's that look like? So, our Rave program does live in in uh, the Employee Experience and, uh, and Sustainability Department, um, but it's just uh, a way for for um, anyone to to brag on anyone else, whether it be you know, a parent that could send, that could, you know, fill out a, a rave recommendation on, on our employee, an employee to another employee, a student to an employee. Um, because we, you know, going back to those major levers, we know that, that getting told, Hey, thank you. Thank you for what you did is incredibly motivating. I don't think any of us come to work and, and kind of live for that, like pat on the back, but when you get it, and it's certainly when it's unexpected, it's so powerful. And so uh, that's really what the RAVE program is about is these surprise like pats on the back from somebody you didn't even expect. And so making that accessible uh, across our across our district is really important. Yeah. yeah. I talk a lot about teachers and employees need to feel heard, supported and valued. And those things happen when you have processes for recognition. And I love how it's anybody, it's students, it's community members, it's parents, it's it's administrators. And you're right, those little things that you do on a daily basis, you don't realize you're making an impact, but somebody notices that. And for somebody to take time and thank you for the work that you're doing anyway, it's a, it's a wonderful feeling to receive that. It is. Unfortunately, you know, I think it's just human nature. We, we hear about the things we didn't do well, or we hang on to the things that we didn't do well, but we certainly don't get told enough the things that we do well. And so it's, a, it's really a, a way for everybody to engage in that process of, of recognition. Yeah, let's start to wrap this up a little bit, Brandy. What would you say is one action or strategy that you hope every school leader listening today implements, takes with them with regard to the employee experience? I, I think that um, if we're talking about, you know, public ed in general, but just education across the board, we have to do this differently. We have to approach it differently and we have to take care of our employees. I think we should have seen um, the, the attrition 
coming. I think we should have been able to see that coming because it, it just took one more straw for it to be too much for, for our educators and, and rightly so. And so there comes a breaking point in being able to, to feel effective in your position. And so what I want people to hear is that I think as, as educators across the nation, especially those of us in, in positions that we can make big changes, is that we really have to analyze what are the, what are the musts, what are the have-tos, and what are the optionals, and, and really taking a good hard look at how we can decrease the amount of pressure and unnecessary tasks uh, on educators' plates because we will not be able to retain them and sustain them if we just continue to pile. So I think that's the biggest thing is how do you do fewer things and do them much better? I, I think that that's the key. And what what celebrations do you have to share? I know you have a teacher of the year. So we do have a state final, so we're very proud of her. Uh, Carrie Johnson, she's one of our one of one of our uh, teachers at one of our elementary schools, so she's a state finalist for us. And we're super excited for her. Um, we have you know just a ton of celebrations. I I I have to brag on our principals. I have to brag that they are just incredibly resilient and continue to do what's right for students every single day. So bragging on them. Truthfully, we have the right the right people in the right places. We just have to to make the the work more efficient and more tenable to 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 humans. So, um, just bragging on on, on our staff uh, throughout the organization. Yeah, that's great. And then if one if people want to get a hold of you, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, certainly via email. Um, Brandy at austinisd.org. Um, I'm on Twitter at thehosic23. And um, let's see, we've got our human capital Twitter also at WeAreAISD. And so um, there's a few different ways that you can get a hold of us. But, you know, I, I really enjoy talking through these types of things with, with other leaders so that we can achieve uh, what we are trying to and be each other's thought partner rather than each other's competitor. But, but we, need to do, we need to do better for our staff. Yeah, that's great. Well, Brandy, I, I really appreciate your time today. Delivered a lot of insights. Great conversation. So thanks so much for that. Thank you, Eric. I appreciate the time. All right. Thank you. If you haven't yet today, go thank an educator for all they're doing for us. This has been the Employee Experience and Education Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and don't forget to leave a review. Thanks and have a wonderful day.